Hi, I'm Karen Derricades, Artistic Director of Never Gallery Ready, and you're listening to the music stylings of my five-year-old on a Casio keyboard and the We Make Media podcast, a podcast about how the culture we produce shapes media and how that goes both ways. Let's get to it. Hi, you're listening to the We Make Media podcast, and I'm here with DJ, VJ, and YouTube mashup video artist Mike Realm. His Webby award-winning mashups mix movie clips from popular culture and music he composes himself. He's shared festival stages with hip-hop artists such as Outkast and Most Dev, and has toured with The Far Side. Recently, he brought his live VJ performance skills to the Fortnite World Cup. I've asked him to talk with me today about his creative process and the life of a YouTube star. Hi, Mike. Ooh, YouTube star. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. Wow. Exactly. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk more about that. <laughs> but let's talk. Okay. About thank you. That, that was yeah. That was a pretty. That was, that was an epic intro. Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's pretty epic to have won a Webby Award for a mashup. That's uh That's something entirely amazing. Yeah, it's like the Grammys for web videos. I I, yeah, I don't think I knew no. that even was a category for the Webby Awards. Well, I think to be fair, this was when this was before like everybody was trying to win a Webby. Right. So this is pretty early on. <laughs> but I'll take it, you know. They still give the mashup award out. I don't know. I haven't checked. <laughs> like, is there enough people should. in the field every year to, to have Yeah, I mean I could just like keep re upping on that, just like, all right, this is just me. That would be great. That's yeah. They've even got a podcast now. I've uh, downloaded. That'd be it. ideal for me. <laughs> yeah. um, so, when did you start making uh, your remixes? Because that was that Webby Award was in two oh nine, and you didn't uh, you didn't start your channel till till twenty ten. Uh, well, I had the channel. I was doing things. I think in like two thousand eight right. was the first like remix that I did on YouTube. I'm sure there's a way to actually check that by literally looking at my channel. Mm. But I'm, I'm, I'm guessing around 2008, because I remember there was a YouTube live show that they just kind of had all like the, the, they had a lot of popular YouTubers. It was, it was an interesting time. Like, like, uh, you know, when, when chocolate ring was big and so they were like, okay, cool. And, this, and there's this new artist named Katy Perry, who's going to perform the opening or like, who's <laughs> Katy Perry? Like, all right. And then, <laughs> you know, cut to, she's the biggest star in the world. But, yeah, that was I, I was a part of that live show, and it kind of opened me up to the idea of, well, there, there's this thing now, hmm. you know, it's called YouTube, and you could make videos and stuff. I mean, at the time, it was so early that, you know, it was a mixture of like, you know, funny videos that people were making, but also like people just bootlegging, you know, TV shows. So there was that whole thing. But they've, they've cleared things up since, and... um now it's just it's completely different from what you see now do you remember what that what that first video is that you made with first mashup rather or because i mean 2008 that was only three years after youtube was what had hit the scene i think the first one i did was for Lionsgate, and it was it was because i was doing youtube live that live show i guess they were oh yeah they, they were a big sponsor so they said you know like can you make something out of these movies that we're putting out just because we're, you know, it's to coincide with the live show. We'll promote right. it or whatever. I'm like, wait, what are you asking? Like, it took me a while to figure out what they were asking for. You know, it was something like they said, you know, take these trailers and then you make music and then, you know, make something new with the trailers and your music. I'm like, oh, okay. 
that's Amazing. interesting. You know, it's kind of, that's sort of what I was doing in my live shows, but it was just totally different. Cause when I'm, when I'm playing a live show, it's definitely not like what you see on YouTube. And mm. that's kind of what I, the reason I make the stuff on YouTube is because there's these ideas that I have that, that wouldn't fit right. at a, you know, a live in a theater or a club or whatever. So that kind of, I guess, that started it. That is um, and so then, interesting. So yeah. they contacted you about about mm-hmm. taking their footage and doing this. I think what happened was like they saw what I did live. Right. That's the that's what I was doing on YouTube in the very beginning was I was kind of using it as like an EPK. Like I would record my live shows and then upload them so that I can we can show promoters like okay, this is what he does. You know what I mean? Right. Like because it's hard to explain it right especially back then like okay he's a turntablist and then he he does all the stuff that all the you know scratches and mixes and and juggles records but then it's video too Mm. to this day i've never figured out like an an elegant way to say it yeah which is super frustrating but (laughs) like that's you know my my whole thing is like when you see it it's not as nerdy as it sounds like it's actually very exciting to just kind of like engage the audience in that way mm. so i guess yeah so leading into the the youtube show that's what i was doing i took the uh, charlie bit my finger video <laughs> and then did the thing with that and then yeah that was just you were doing that live the charlie bit my finger it's it's all live so a dj has two turntables normally you know so you, you can mix between two things so it's a smooth transition or you could be you could have like a, an instrumental beat and scratch a sound on the other side what i did was i took an instrumental and then instead of having just a sound on the other side i had the video so it's like charlie bit my fingers on that side so i'm scratching and going like ow ow you know like taking those sounds and then it kind of turns into a sort of a song-ish right. thing. So interesting. Well, the answer is one of my biggest questions, which is just how how do you get away with it? Like, how come I'm getting emails from George Lucas Productions about my about my about my activity online, and you're doing like Star Wars? <laughs> like, how? Like, but is it is that has that always been the relationship? Then they're coming to you. And asking you to um, work with this footage because... Oh, you mean the studios? Well, just, yeah. I mean, just for, you know, I mean, again, this is in 2008, right? It's yep. just to, for some context, again, for the, genera- the Gen yep. Gen Z listeners out there. Before we lived in this uh, this current environment of subscription-based audio, video uh, libraries, mm-hmm. the only way you could get it, of course, was to go and actually point your, your camera at a screen in a, in a theater or at a concert. And you could <laughs> share it. And you could share it in the shadows of the internet, right? And hope you didn't get sued by producers. And then Mm -hmm. the whole Napstar, Napstar basically was a platform that made it easier for folks to do that. Um, But with it, it came a huge cultural normative disruption. And you've got two bands, uh, two of the biggest bands at the time, uh, one called Metallica, um, that, uh, that decided to criminalize its fans and accuse them of stealing and another one called Radiohead who said okay well 
Um, why don't we just pay what you can? So, you know, like, that's like mind blowing, of course, for listeners, right? It's like, should I be buying the CD, the compact disc or whatever's coming next? Um, or should I be given a toonie to, um, <laughs> the, uh, to Radiohead? And, you know, my, my friend had made, had recently made a comment about, well, you know, Radiohead made no money off of that album, right? So, um, so all these things <laughs> start to shift, right? But uh, but were you making the videos from these mainstream from this mainstream footage and putting it out there, or were you always were you always only working with with stuff you had permission to oh, use? Oh, I see what you're saying. So I'm not an attorney. I have no experience in in law <laughs> or law enforcement. <laughs> yeah. But so so when Lionsgate approached me to do that, I had a lot of fun with it and did really well. Like people seemed to like it. So you know, I was like, okay, how do I do more of this? And I didn't know anybody at the time. You know what I mean? I was just, I was still just a touring DJ. Right. Um, I had no connections with anyone other than Lionsgate, obviously at that time. So I just kind of went and, and, and looked around and, and thought, what else can I remix here? There's thousands of movies. Like what, what can I do now? So I think the next one was, it might've been Iron Man two. And that was right before it came out. It was just kind of a good time. It just kind of, happened to be uh uh right when everyone was was searching for the trailer and and getting excited about it and uh and i just i just did that one and were you mixing it from the film or were you mixing it from the trailer no it was from the trailer because it it, it hadn't come out yet right so, and i didn't use any footage from the uh from the first one i just wanted to kind of make just okay, this is the iron man 2 remix there um and then put that out and a couple days later, John Favreau hit me up on Twitter. Mm. He was like, hey, this is kind of cool. Wow. So then we turned that remix into a TV spot. So that changed the whole game for me because I was like, oh, one, people are watching, you mm. know, and two, this is the, this could be a thing, you mm. know, like that alone kind of sparked it because I could do it. You know, there's, there's a million things you could be doing on YouTube. When, when you sit down and you think about it, it's like, okay, what do I want to do again? Like it was a place that I was just kind of uploading like my live shows. Right. Just to kind of get people, you know, hopefully thinking that was cool. Yeah. Like a social media platform kind of just as a way to have like, instead of a website where there was already people looking up stuff and you, you could, that, that would hold hold your stuff and mm-hmm. and people could go and see it there and yeah because before i had done the same thing with like quicktime videos and it's like i could go to my website and then it's like oh i don't have the plugin or whatever it's like, oh my god <laughs> just here here's a, the the much better solution because everybody's on it and you know i mean even still back then it was like i don't have i, I think there were still issues with it we would send these videos out to two companies and they're like oh youtube is blocked in my office or whatever i'm like oh my god right this is crazy so anyways yeah so we made the um made it into a tv spot and i was like super excited because that's cra- that's crazy to me that 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 it just kind of became that and then after that i started i started doing more i, I took um different kinds of stuff like there was a, this old spice right. thing that was going on <laughs> took that and, and remixed it and just like random stuff. And you do something for one, you know, studio or record label or whatever. Then the other ones kind of pay attention. So I started doing more things with other studios, and other brands. And, you know, it just, it just became a whole, you know, over the next 10 
plus years it's become like another career right and did the and the Old Spice people? I mean, I know that the audience loved the Old the Old Spice is kind of a classic one, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of a mashup <laughs> meme. You, you're drawn to you know kind of mainstream pop culture, right? Like stuff that mm-hmm. everybody's talking about. Is that on purpose, or is that just that's just you're also watching it and you want to play with it? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of both. I definitely am not the kind of person who's going to kind of ride a trend just for the sake of like oh it'll get so many views like trust me just hashtag old spice or whatever like, i don't even know if that was yeah i'm sure that was <laughs> the hashtag but like <laughs> there was sure something was but there was something going on that day or yeah. that couple of days where he was like responding to tweets right with in the video it was genius right <laughs> so it became a trend and i'm and i'm like I was trying to, to get a response and stuff because I wanted him to say my name so I could use that in remixes like forever. Right. You know, right. Um, but he didn't do it. So I just thought like, all right, well, I'm sitting in front of my computer trying to get this guy's attention. Uh, let me just, I just ripped up, you know, a bunch of the videos that he was uploading, you know, every 10 minutes and threw that up. And then it kind of became a, you know, a little side conversation. Cool. But yeah, from then on, I'm still very picky about the things that I work on or gravitate towards because it's, again, it's like, there's so, there's so many, there's a new trend every day. There's a new thing. It's so hard to keep, especially because what I do takes kind of a long time. I mean, I I think the old spice one I knocked out in like, you know, less than a day, Right. but like, that's pretty quick for me. Right. I couldn't, I definitely couldn't do that for the movies or like I did it, you know, a full child's play discography remix. There's no freaking way I can do that in like a week. Like that took a while. Yeah. You got to go through all the movies and kind of get the best pieces and just kind of sit with it and, and, and make it make sense and, and feel good about it. Especially cause I do the music as well. You know that takes a, a whole that's a whole other thing which one comes first i mean well the idea of it will come from the movie you know i'll i'll see you know like whatever star wars like of course i'm gonna remix star wars yeah. at some point <laughs> so i'll of course watch the movie and sort of stew around in my head like what would this sound like what what, what do i want to bring to this that is not just taking the theme song and then then making a montage because uh, i mean you could you could do that you know i'm not gonna not judging but like it's not that's not my thing i want to make sure that when you see this you don't know how i did it off the bat do you know what i mean yeah yeah it's new yeah because already i think when you think mashup automatically it's like okay well they just took a thing and then put on top of another thing right easy peanut butter and jelly i could do that Easy. So I'm already coming into it's it classic, with that. Though, peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, but yeah so, it know. is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it yeah. works. Yeah. Sometimes it works. But for me, I always, I, w- I always have that little, I guess that little critic in, in the back of my head that's like, nah, they can see through that. You know, it's like a magic trick almost. Like, nah, they could, they could see behind the, through the seams on that one. Like, give them something more. Give them something that just can, you can't just accidentally get like 
everything's very kind of purposeful. Well, um, yeah, and there's a lot of stuff that's mashup, like that's under mashups in in terms of video. Like your stuff reminds me yeah. more of the again this kind of like back to you know this kind of Napstar time period of the mashup mm-hmm. like like music mashups right in the sense of the yeah, like, like cold cut like yeah were, like really re know. like unrecognizable like using the sound as yep. an instrument it's a compilation although I did see one, <laughs> there was one that was that was uh, hot for, for like a couple days it was um, LMFAO party rock it was their they did the little dance and then somebody took that visual and then put uh billy joel's uptown girl on it and it, it sings perfectly because it's the same bpm but like kind of i enjoyed it it's like okay that's cool too like I, you know it's it's just fun it's just it was hilarious just because the way it the way their moves kind of happened it just it just worked sometimes it's just like okay leave it you yeah know? that interaction between those two drilling. things you struck oil. There it is. <laughs> walk away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just walk away with the chef's kiss. Are you very and difficult to watch a movie with? Like, are you, are you like, whoa, oh, I love the sound of that, like that, that, you know, that kind of like the way that speech can sometimes sound like an instrument that you're like, oh, I want to hear that yeah. all over. Good. Scratch it. Uh, play it again. No, play it again. I'll, I'll catch it. Like if I'm watching a movie, like I'll, will hear it. I'm not even trying to hear it and I'll hear it. You know yeah, what I mean? No, no doubt. I, I it must be difficult like, to watch movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, also because, well, that comes from like when I was, you know, I grew up a, a DJ looking for samples, like listening to songs for just the, the tiniest little like, Hey, or yo, or something just to scratch like uh, right. really good. And I can identify it. So when I'm watching a movie, it's, it actually is very much more, about the audio when I'm finding samples and I'm really, the process is not different at all from when I would look for samples on an MPC, you know, just kind of chopping things up and like kind of figuring out, okay, well, if I took this phrase, him saying, you know, I am your father and then looping that in a certain way, I can chop that and syncopate it and make it hit a beat. Right. You know, I didn't use that obviously because it's the freaking most obvious one. But you know, just for example, yeah, for example, I mean, I've been doing that in my head for twenty years anyway, so it's just kind of natural. Right. Yeah. Even Parasite, so the one that you did for Parasite, like I, oh. I can imagine you must have already like it's it's a lot faster. Yeah, I can imagine that you already know the tempo of it as opposed to well, you know. Also, as soon as she started singing the song, I was like, okay, well, there's there's the hook obviously that's just a gift you know what i mean like i'm not sure if i could have if i would have even approached it if she didn't sing the song so sometimes you're doing it with permission and you're getting the footage from the producers but often you're there's there's times you're not doing it with permission as well so what is that yeah sometimes you just got to do it Mm -hmm. so what do you Uh, you actually how do you actually record that and then and and get high you know high quality uh using blu-ray yeah i mean you have to only because the process for me, it goes through so many different things that by the time it hits YouTube, the compression has brought it down so much. I mean, the average person probably wouldn't know or care, but I can see it. So, you know, I want to get the highest quality possible to start with because it goes from, you know, I'll rip it. And then would you think your audience would be interested in this kind of stuff? Absolutely. 
Okay, absolutely. so I'll take the so those. Wait, well, how do you Ray. actually do this? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, okay. I could talk about that all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> take the Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, there's ripping software. Just you got to get it down to the you know a file. Okay, what's the ripping software? MKV something. Okay, I'll find. I'll um, put it in the show notes. Yeah. I'll send it to you. You get a physical copy of it, or you or you pay for a, oh, yeah. a digital copy of it, of the file. On uh, I've never done it where I download it, but I'm sure you could actually. That's or even idea. just buy I it, just, right? Because you can buy stuff now from Apple and get the yeah. digital and put it on a USB right now, and yeah, yeah. But you need the file, is what I'm saying. Like you can't just stream it. You can't just go on Netflix and like stream it to the thing, and then it's on Premiere or whatever. So. So you're not screen grabbing it. You're not screen recording it. Oh, no, no, no. That would be horrible. That would be awful. Yeah. Because you'd be missing frames and whatnot. And um, and for me, it's all about like every frame is so important because I'm basically editing an edit. You know, I don't have the raw footage. I don't have the the alternate takes. You know, I, I get what the movie is. So if they're saying something and then they cut and I need that shot to hold like, I need to figure out how to fill that space because just compositionally, like you don't want too many, there's already so many edits going on in what I do. Mm. I don't want, I don't want more like, I call them just like stray frames. Like, like what is that? Like you, you see it, but you don't see it to me. Like, yeah, like it's a, it's a mistake. It's just a frame that was just left there. So I'll, I'll, I'll rip the movie, throw that into premiere, do my selects, take all the pieces that, you know, I'll just go through the movie, you know, not frame by frame, but I'll go through pretty slowly. Make sure I I get every snappy sound or action beat. Or if somebody is saying something that sounds kind of like it could be in a rap song, right? That's my wheelhouse. If someone says like, get down like uh all day yeah you can see you can see see it yeah yeah i mean that kind of stuff people screaming tires screeching explosions hitting guns being loaded you know that's an easy one because it's all these clicks and sounds and usually the camera is just like locked on that they're just showing the guy you know so it's it looks cool or laughing looks cool right when i just kind of chop it up yeah i mean i definitely have like my little my little go-tos that a lot of movies kind of have. Um, another one is... And you immediately chop it to its smallest form? Uh, no, I wouldn't go to its smallest. I actually try to go to its most extended take because I, especially if I'm scratching something, it's got to be a, a long piece so I can scratch it, go back and forth. Got to have enough space to go back and forward. Yeah, because th- yeah, that I'm doing by hand. So my hand is not frame accurate. You're talking about like, the music composition now? Well, both. Yeah, because most all of my remixes have uh, scratching in it. So backing up. So I'll do the selects on, you know, in Premiere, export that. And then that's my like, that's basically my instrument. So I'll put that in Serato, uh, which is a DJ program that has a video plugin that I use. Very cool. And then, I mean, that's how I do all my live shows is with Serato. I, I can scratch and mix videos just like you would any record. And so I'll load it onto there. And then that's where I'm scratching all of the sounds. I, I literally just use that as the instrument. The movie becomes like, that's what I use. If you really wanted to, you could probably do this in, in iMovie. Maybe. I haven't tried, but I mean, 
why not? I mean, you could edit things on there. I, I can't imagine. I don't use 90% of what Premiere has to offer. But it does have everything you need. You know. There's nothing else. You're, you don't need to go to any, exactly. any, other, any other software to do some other element of it. Right, right, right. Oh, well, to make the music, I, I make the music in Ableton Live. Ableton Live in conjunction with Serato, Serato DJ Pro uh, with the video plugin. And, and will you premiere. organize those little clips? Will you organize them by high sounds and snap sounds and long, you know what I mean? Or will you, will you organize them conceptually? Like in the beginning I did, but now it's just, I just kind of take that step out. Yeah. I'm really got a little lazy or I just, it just, I'm so used to it that I just kind of know where everything is. I already know, you know, something that I would have, I would have pulled, you know, 10 years ago. I would already know that um, I'm not going to use that. Like just, skip it it's right fine. because that will just give me way too many options later and i'll just be sitting there like uh which one will replace the snare better <laughs> this clap crack or this clap crack like i don't know take somebody else hours. walking in the room to be like who cares you can't hear the yeah. difference be like i care why am i doing this if nobody cares what do you mean exactly <laughs> yeah so i mean in the beginning i was definitely overthinking the process definitely spending too much time on just things that like you said no one cares the reason i ask about the how you categorize them is because when you're when it's not um you know physical stuff but when it's digital you just can't find anything and then you're spending half your time looking for when in an editing process right when you need to find just a snare it's like it's something yeah 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 that's all I need. Yeah. Like just, it needs to just get the point across that it is a snare. Cool. Yeah, like, yeah. Don't ever think you could use the, the, the one you didn't use for the next thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't exactly. worry about it. Yeah. It's still there. Yeah, it's, the, yeah. it's well also like uh, with my live shows, like a lot of times I'll go in and then it's a show and the, and, and the promoter curator is like, okay, so like we want like a 10 minute intro and, and here's the theme and this and that. Then, then I spend a month building that. And then you get there and everyone's just like drunk yeah. and you just want to party. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. all right, what was that? What was that all for? No one knows what the theme is like, they don't care. They don't care. No, especially in an experiential, like in, in that moment, right? What they care is, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the, the energy and watching you do what you do, I imagine, you know, like, yeah, people are just in awe of all of all of those things, but they don't necessarily, you know, there's nobody at that standing by the bar going, what a well-curated theme for that first <laughs> Was, yeah, that, that intro was out of sight curation. <laughs> yeah, like I have, I have intros that work, like uh, th- that are tried and true and tested. Like, why would you want me to come in cold on this new thing that one person has thought of who's never done a show? before yeah that is also such a profound point i think about any artistic process it's a great documentary that um seinfeld did called the comedian oh, i just talked about the i know what you're gonna say right and i just referenced that to uh, a friend of mine who was like struggling with like man i just want to like do something new in the beginning but go ahead yeah yeah um, no no totally well just movie. you can improv the best and 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 you know create something new in that moment the best when you have 
that thing that you know and it's such a great gauge like he talks about it in terms of the joke like why would you you know he, he decides to, to write all new jokes and people are like you're insane um, but also the way that you can tell the temperature of a room with a with a with a joke that you've always had or for me a, you know a, a mm-hmm. spiel that I always do in a, in, a, in a classroom but it works because I get to know yeah. immediately like who laughs and who's in the you know I'm like oh okay and I get to know uh, just the nature of that group and then you can do all kinds of things mm-hmm. but uh, you know those things are gold and they're important and often you know maybe a curator or a you know a grant jury or a, you know whoever's making the decisions and wants something new and innovative and nobody's you know we want the newest latest thing um, doesn't mm-hmm. realize that that's that that's just so much more of a chance to fall for us all to fall flat on our faces and have it, yeah, have it not yeah. go as is inspiring you know it's actually more inspiring but yeah yeah like I saw that documentary before I started, you know, really traveling and touring, I'm so glad I did because a lot of people assume, you know, going into it, especially early on in your career, you're like, okay, I need to like make something new. Every audience needs to get something new. Like it's an experience. It's like, wait a second. Hold on. First of all, you're playing for like a thousand people. Like no, they're not going to be there the next show. You're not fish. They're not traveling with you. Yeah. Uh, So... So I never started a a set with a new thing, like a, with a brand new thing. Like, of course, you have to you have to test things, and you know, it's like I, I feel like DJing is is very much like stand up comedy. Like you're 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 kind of auditioning your little bits again. Like yeah, like Seinfeld said, the intro is so important. That is so important because a lot of times, you know, I'm not Jay Z. Everyone knows who he is. Like there's. I go into a, a, a show, I got to understand, you know, at least 70, 75% of people are not going to know who I am. So I have to make a good impression. Every stage is different and as comfortable as, as you can get, nothing's better than like just killing your first like five, 10 minutes and just, all right, cool. I got them. I got the audience. They're, they're on my side. Now we can play. Now we can have fun. Now. When you started on on at the the YouTube channel, you had you got two hundred thousand followers within twelve within months. Ten minutes. No, <laughs> which is pretty big for like a, such a niche. Like I mean, mashups are are, are still pretty pretty niche. Oh, totally. <laughs> but yeah. uh, and so and what? So who who were those people? Who are your followers? And how do they behave? What do they share with you? Or about what they get from what you do? And the people who subscribe to me and and comment, it's generally positive. You know, you hear these stories of like, oh man, the internet. Like, <laughs> don't read the comments; it'll be horrible. Like in the beginning. Yes, there were some comments that were, you know, racist. I'm like, where did that come from? Like, what? Like, because I would show up at the end and 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 talk, so they they see what I look like. And they're like, oh, but I mean, people can be people can be vile sometimes, but for the most part, they 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 talked about like, oh, this is actually really interesting. I never thought of this. Oh, that's cool because like I watched this movie, but I would never thought of you know seeing it like this. So yeah, it's been generally positive and so you're the second person i've spoken to who has said it was way worse at the beginning so would you do you mm-hmm. think did something change about youtube did you did you manage your audience better or there you just don't care and they still say stupid stuff or or uh you know what now that you mention it i think i think it is that i just didn't care because i i'm not super active in the chat 
area or the comments area like i'll i'll go on that first like day or two and respond you know because it's fun you know because again generally they're positive so i want to you know if someone says something nice i want to at least say thank you but i think that that whole thing where you know your your parents tell you just ignore the bullies and they'll go away like i I think that actually kind of works. Right. It's funny. If you look at all my comments, I definitely, I do not respond to any of the negative ones because if I'm going to put energy towards something, you know, it's like some kid is like, this totally freaking changed my life. Like, of course, hey, cool, man. Like, I'm going to give that kid attention and, you know, not the one who's like, seen better, whatever. <laughs> yeah, like you took your time to yeah to, to yeah to, like wow you stuck around yeah cool because <laughs> yeah. i've seen you say at the end of some videos right like post a comment and let me know like you know yeah, uh, totally, what totally. you want to see here and do people do that like how important yeah. is that to that youtube world like it's weird to me because you know growing up as a dj you hate requests, but you do take requests for the, for for the mashups. Uh, I do. You know, I, I I listen because that's just kind of how the community is. Um, they expect to be heard. Honestly, I've I've considered. Actually, no, the parasite one was a request. Right. Again, when I watched the movie, loved it. I knew that song could be part of something. The song that she sings. So what about this YouTube uh, stardom? Is this is this how you make your living? Is this how you has this how you pay your rent? Is this how you bought that microphone? Is from all those YouTube foods? <laughs> I mean, I say that jokingly because I still I still there's a lot a lot of young people that I work with who are who are mm-hmm. um, under the impression uh, that it is very much a, still a kind of one to one equation, like a dollars per views or dollars per subscribers or dollars per oh, eyeball. I wish. Oh, I wish. It's definitely not a dollar per view. Far from a dollar per view. You'd be a millionaire, multimillionaire. Yeah. Having said that, there's ways to make money on YouTube that are beyond ads. Everyone talks about like, oh, but you make the money on the ads. Dude, good luck with that. What does that even mean? How do they, how do you make the money on the ads? Uh, well, you know, when you watch a YouTube video, there's a little ad that pops up or an ad that plays before. And that's worth a certain amount of money, depending on whose ad it is. And they're paying you and that money to, for your audience to see to see that stuff. They're paying YouTube, and then that money gets split between you and YouTube. I don't know a whole lot about that, uh, which probably tells you how much of ads are a part of my income. I just don't care. Yeah, negligible. But a I negligible do, amount. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but there's, there's a lot of videos on YouTube that explain the ad thing that I've watched a couple times that I'm like, okay, it's, it's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't change the way I operate. That's the one thing. Like I, I used to think about that stuff a lot, like look at the, the data. And I, I think it is important to look at your channel's data to just so you know what your audience is looking for. And sometimes you have to work at, yeah. at not picking it up or not putting it down either because just letting it go like, all right, people are strange. <laughs> they like that thing, but they don't like this other exactly. thing. And this is my favorite thing. And now I'm heartbroken. And anyways. <laughs> oh, it's always your favorite thing that, that gets the least amount of views too. <laughs> always. But when you when you have a YouTube channel, uh, you have access to all this data of your videos, whether it's like, 
the demographics, the male, female, age range, countries, all the way down to the, the most interesting one to me is it shows you the, your video timeline and like where people kind of stop watching. Right. Like how long they so, watch the video for. Yeah. So, you know, if you're doing things that sort of have a, I would say like a template, like, you know, you have your timing, like, especially if you're doing a vlog say like you know you start it you have your intro you talk about your first topic talk about your second topic then you have a demonstration or whatever then you're out if they stop watching after the third segment every single time like you don't have to do your fourth segment probably yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> just for you can do whatever you want because nobody's yeah. watching and maybe it'll make a difference yeah that taught me that i didn't need to show up and talk at the end of my videos as much because a lot of people were just all right as soon as that guy shows up i'm out you know right i used to feel like i had to do that because that's what everyone was doing but ever since I saw the data, it's like, oh, maybe I don't. Right. Save that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it helps you kind of just navigate. YouTube, especially now, is so vast. There is so much on there. It's totally different from when I started even, you know, in the late 2000s to like the early 2010s. It's so different. In terms of just finding stuff where you had to like, like, or just the amount of good stuff versus the amount of stuff that was finding on there. Stuff or, I mean, I'm talking about just navigating as a creator because before it was, okay, just do your best to follow the trends. Everyone was chasing trends. Oh, Super Bowl's coming up. Do a Super Bowl video. Oh, Valentine's Day is coming up. Do a Valentine's Day. And people still do that, but you have to kind of decide if you're that kind of artist like do you want do you want to do it for the views then there's easier ways to do that than the way i'm doing it which is you gotta make the music you gotta watch the movie you gotta rip the movie you gotta, the dude it takes a day just to get ready to actually make the thing and then how long does you it know, take especially to make if the i'm thing doing usually? it really depends if it's a if it's just one single movie uh maybe a week and a half right you know maybe two weeks i did the entire harry potter not even trilogies, whatever that you call that discography. It's going to be like close to a month just because the sheer volume of things I had to go through. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of fun yeah. though. Yeah. That, well, know. yeah, but it's interesting. I mean, cause yeah, I'm always talking about with young people, again, the work outside of the work that you have to do to, to get the work. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the reasons why fees artists have such high fees. Cause it's like, it's back pay. So how do artists deal with that? So what do you do? You do something with that data. Do you parlay that data and go to someone else and say, Hey, this is how many people will just do anything I want them to know. I mean, this is how many people who are loving what I'm doing. You know, yeah. what, I mean, how I, do you do I'm it? I'm pretty lucky in the fact that going back to what you said in the beginning is like, there's just not that many people doing this. So luckily I'm, you know, one of the names that comes up when studios are looking for that kind of thing. And luckily they're looking for that kind of thing pretty often so i i've never had to go out and and pitch my services but having said that i believe that the things that i put out before are sort of the pitch that's and then with all the views you know that's the data that they need like okay well th this it will do this so yeah I'll just have them have them do that like back in the day when we sold cds that was what supplemented your touring and kind of made it super worth it when I'm on stage, that is basically the demo for the CD that they buy at the table in the back. But, you know, people don't buy CDs anymore. Right. So, gotta, so yeah. You know. so, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so so now they just watch YouTube videos for free and it's all good. Right. Well, yeah, and I noticed too that you said uh, Patreon and one of them you meant you talk about Patreon and Patreon I find really interesting. Just kind of back again to this uh, Radiohead Metallica situation. It's a pay what you can, right? Like it's a crowdfunding kind right, of model right. for folks who can, you know, do do you want to pitch in? Like, do you, do you know, you know, you have, you've been getting this stuff for free. This is good mm-hmm. stuff. You love this stuff. What's your experience of, of Patreon in terms of, yeah, just the, the, who who uses it who pays what the culture of it whether it i mean it it works i'm far too inconsistent to do that i realized so i just stopped doing it because the artists who are successful on patreon are, are very consistent right it's you know a monthly thing or a bi-weekly thing or a weekly thing i'll go sometimes you know four or five months without uploading to youtube because i'm doing something else sometimes that's a good thing sometimes it's a bad thing you know if if, if i'm trying to focus on being a youtuber that's not a good thing. You know, it's all about consistency. Yeah, I would say it's probably a good thing for life, though. <laughs> but, yeah, but I mean, in general. Well, I mean, it's not It's not, not that it's a bad thing if you're disciplined or decided about your online presence or whatever. But I do mm-hmm. think there's almost this gamification of the arts that comes from it and a pressure of yeah. every day. I mean, that is stressing people out. That stresses people out of all ages. <laughs> um, I mean, I know a lot of people who just simply got burned out. Because they're doing the, I'm going to upload every day. And so all of a sudden, that's your day, then that's your week, then that's your month, then that's your life. Mm-hmm. Like, when's your break? When when do you not do this? Yeah, when do you get the ideas that's for the stuff tough. that you're posting? I mean, I see people post, though, every day on Instagram animations that I'm like, I don't understand. Do they make them... Do they have like yeah. sub animators? You know what I mean? Like who are doing this and then, or do they do them all on the weekend on long weekends? <laughs> that yeah. Like, are wrap you my doing head this? around. I think there's a lot of that going on too. Um, I, that's, and that's one of the, the poisons I think of social media is you're just looking at other people's highlight reel. I mean, you've heard this a million times, but even knowing that it's so hard to kind of keep your mind in that mode of, okay, don't feel anything about this. Like, even though you're seeing everyone's amazing things every day and, and, oh, guess what? In the last hour, you didn't do anything because you've been looking at all this stuff. Uh, that's hard. You're definitely not you know posting what I mean? That's hard. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, I can't, well, I can't hang with this. This is too crazy. So, well, maybe tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Sometimes you just got to just do your thing. And that's, I think that's what's helped keep me sane is, having the platform to just do you know on youtube i don't feel like i have to censor whatever i'm doing i could do whatever i want and luckily what i want is what they want too like i'm not doing some weird stuff it's helped me just kind of love it you know because that's the other thing is this stuff takes so long that if you don't love it like don't even start don't even trust me it's not worth it. It is not worth it. YouTube for me has been the only one that kind of fits for whatever reason. Maybe it's just because I, I was on it so early and I just kind of got used. To, I, I kind of settled in and, and you know, there's so many different changes that happen on the platform with the audience or whatever, but it's always been a place where I never felt like, like, Oh, now this is happening. I got to do it this way now. Like, okay, well, just just do your thing 
Just, right, you didn't feel pushed around by the new the new algorithm or the some new decision that the platform made that yeah. therefore changed your process or affected your process in some horrible some way that, that didn't make it fun anymore. Totally, and and believe me, like like going from there was a time where it was just automatically I would get three hundred thousand views easily day one, no problem. Right, it's not like that anymore, and a lot for a lot of people that just kind of pushed them off the platform altogether. Understandably. That's tough. I mean, everyone took a hit. There was several, you know, key moments in the last 10 years of YouTube that it was just like, wow, this really affected, you know, certain channels. You know, if you're not, if you're not Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon, like, good luck. But people figure it out. You know what I mean? The problem with some of these platforms is that we're kind of in this time period where after, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of years of gatekeepers and museums and universities uh, controlling our, our access to audiences, now we can access them on our own, but you've got all this, you, you know, whatever, all these like algorithms, they decide to change the way it is, you know, the next day or even what Facebook just did to, to, to journalism or what, you know what I mean? And then the next day mm-hmm. you're like, oh God, like now, now what right so yeah it's over is there an, is there any um, platform where we're controlling where we where, where we're able to to control the the situation but i don't think i mean i haven't seen one i think it's it's crazy because like when instagram was kind of the thing you could see it coming a mile away like and i think the companies at some point almost have no choice but to start controlling what we're seeing like you take youtube for example i mean there's something like i mean i don't know what the stat is now but i've heard numbers of like 60,000 hours per minute being uploaded like something something like something ridiculous like that like how could you ever navigate that yeah we're we're lucky that there's an algorithm yeah they have something's got to curate it where's it where are you having the most fun doing the best thing uh, i still i do still think it's youtube one because the fact that it's not limited to like oh, 15 seconds or 10 10 one minute or whatever and that already helps right. my brain say okay cool there, there's not a limit although great things come from limitations like if you look at tiktok there are some hilarious things on tiktok mm-hmm. there are some really creative stuff that is happening on tiktok tiktok reminds me of when youtube first started it was people using whatever they had in their pocket like a phone or whatever and and just doing just creative just funny interesting things like the way they they move the camera around or the way they move their body to make it look like it oh they're on a turntable spinning around and, and they put the words and stuff super creative yeah well i can see why you love that Having, too because the music it's all yeah the music and yeah mm-hmm. it's all music driven or mostly music driven but you know for me still i i if i was to just start in all of this, it would still be YouTube just because uh, the freedom of, you know, you can make a 10 minute video if you want, mm-hmm. you can make an hour video, you can do all these different things and still, you still have the audiences there. You know, YouTube is one of the most visited websites on, on the freaking planet, you know, of all time, whatever. Everyone's, you go to YouTube for something. Uh, so you got the possibility of the foot traffic. It's all there. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's a, it's a fun, it's a, interesting fun playground it's such it's a very mature platform that people i mean it's still the biggest one like that's kind of rare because a lot of platforms kind of come and go or there's like a you know there's the are you on facebook or you on twitter oh are you on instagram are you on snapchat whatever 
but I feel like YouTube, there's really nothing like YouTube. Oh, that segues in perfectly to my little uh, lightning round about how we each use communication technologies differently. So that is uh, GIFs or emojis? Whoa. I like GIFs. Yeah. GIFs or stickers. I like saying it GIF. Um, Phone call or text message? Uh, Phone call. Interesting. Video chat or voice note? Oh, video chat. I I never use voice note. Twitter or Instagram? Uh, Twitter. Oh, I know computer or turntable. I'm sure it's... (laughs) (laughs) Turntable all day. All day. Amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks so much for talking to me, Mike. Oh, thank you. So great. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Make Media. Come back next week to hear the conversation I had with video and performance artist Maya Ben-David about being a cosplaying anthropomorphic airplane. Until then, stay creative and do be artists. I'm trying to play it like Moana's. I've been staring, but I can't. Mm.